I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold is going uh, through the gate, but must surely be a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by his name and leads them out. And after that, he, has, he gathered his own flock, and he walks ahead of them, and, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. But those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand. They didn't know what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true shepherd, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely, and they will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Amen. So, I don't know the first thing about sheep. <laughs> I've never been a shepherd. Does anybody know anything about sheep? You, I, so I'm trying to think of like a, a, what's a good story that I could relate to my life. I have no, yeah, this one, uh, one day when I was taking my sheep out to pasture, I don't, I don't have any good shepherd jokes. I don't have any good shepherd stories. I don't even have any bad shepherd stories, let alone good shepherd stories. I, don't, you know, I was trying to think, okay, a sheep and a shepherd and a horse walk into a bar. Uh, yeah, I, I got nothing. So, so what are you supposed to do? This is, how you, this, is, this is preaching 101, right? This is what Jesus is doing, right? He's talking to shepherds. He's talking to people that know about sheep. So he talks, to, he talks about shepherds and sheep, right? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not so sure that's what he's doing. See, that's, that's a cue from the Preaching 101 book. I think he's taking his cue from a different book. He's taking his cue from this book, right? This is, this is a different thing. He's not trying to be relevant here. I think that maybe Jesus wanted to uh, do all the, the Sunday school teachers that were coming in the future a, a favor. You know, He knew that all the Sunday school teachers would have an abundance of construction paper and, and they would have cotton balls. And so he's trying to think of a good thing that they could do with the construction paper and the cotton balls. So he's like, I know, I'll talk about sheep. And then they can have all the kids make little sheep out of construction paper and cotton balls, right? No, I don't, I don't think that's it either. <laughs> what if I told you that Jesus, by talking about the good shepherd, by talking about sheep, Jesus was making a political statement? <laughs> what do you think of that? Is that kind of strange? It's... it's we don't really read it that way, do we? What if he's making a statement about, about the leadership of the country? Is that, is that a possibility? What if it's a social commentary? What if it's a scathing commentary on the systems that are, that are oppressing people? What if it's about, what if it's about a new order that, that doesn't apply the way that every authority in the world has ever tried to apply? I don't know. It's a pretty good metaphor. I, I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know why he uses barn, barnyard metaphors. It's coming from the suburbs. I don't really rape, but you know, it's better than this metaphor, though, right? 
No, then, yeah. Elephants versus donkeys. You know, it's like cat versus mouse makes sense, and uh, mongoose versus cobra makes sense, but I don't, I don't know, elephants versus donkeys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, uh, the, the thing that Jesus is doing is he's preaching. He's not taking his cues from preaching 101. He's taking his cues from the Bible. In, in, in Mark 138, he says, We must go out to the other towns as well, and I will preach that to them too. That's why I came. Jesus says, that's why I came. You know, we, we think of him as a, as a carpenter, and he was, to pay the bills, but he was mostly a preacher. That's what he was about. That's why he came. That's what he was there to do. Jesus is boldly criticizing the leadership here. And this is all, this is, uh, this is language that they would be familiar with. This is language that they would know. Because he's using things from the Old Testament. He's not making this stuff up. This is stuff that they'd read about. This is stuff that they were familiar with. And when he says, I'm the good shepherd, or uh, they've come as thieves and robbers, all that have come before me, they hear that and they think back to the Old Testament. They think back to Ezekiel and Zechariah. And, and they think back to what the prophets have said before. This is what the prophets say. Woe to you, shepherds, who are destroying and scattering the sheep, the sheep of my pasture. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of feeding my flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, you wear the wool, and you butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. <laughs> Strong words. But this is what Jesus is calling people's minds to. This is what he's pointing to. Here's the words of Jesus, the preacher. And then we can see Jesus weaves the word of God into the daily lives of the people. He's not using a metaphor to try to be relevant. You know, I, you know, I didn't wear my parachute pants because I'm trying to be relevant, but you know, if it was 1989, maybe I should have worn my parachute pants. It, it's not about being relevant. That's what, that's what Preaching 101 tells you. Jesus is, is taking his cues from the good word. He's applying the Bible to the daily lives of the people. He's applying it to your life. He's applying it to my life. He weaves the two together so that people can understand the Bible in a new way and so that people can understand their own lives in a new way. They can see that in their own lives, the Bible itself is fulfilled. You ever think about that? Do you think about that in your life today? How is the Bible being fulfilled in your life today? He's pointing to every wicked thing that the people who were leading the, the, that the, the leaders of the people were doing. And the leaders of the church, was, it, was, it was all corrupt. It was all about killing and stealing and destroying. That's what he says the thief comes to do, right? And, and he says at the same time that I am the fulfillment of God. And, and, the, and the prophet Ezekiel says, I will feed my flock and I will give them rest. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the scattered. And, and, and it's God speaking, but at the same time, he says, I will appoint one, one who's the son of David. This is Ezekiel 34. 
So what is it? Is it God or is it the son of David? And we know that in Jesus Christ, it's both. Last week, John preached on uh, John 9. And, and he, he talks about uh, the man that was born blind, right? And the way that he did it had the Pharisees fuming. They were pretty upset, right? Can you imagine being upset over somebody uh, healing somebody? But it was the way that he did it that had them upset. The Pharisees are known as the bad guys, right? Is there anything in the Bible that teaches that the Pharisees are anything but the bad guys? If the Bible was an old Western, the, uh, the Pharisees would be the, the guys wearing the black hats, right? <laughs> These are the guys that when you see them on the screen, you boo and hiss. Yeah. <laughs> they were the, but in reality, it, it, was, it was much more complex than that. You see, these are the people that held the traditions. These are the people that kept the law. These are the people that really held on to the identity of the Jewish people. You know, the people looked to them for their identity because these people knew the law better than anybody. And because they were being oppressed by the Romans, because the Romans were in there literally killing and stealing and destroying, just like Jesus is saying, the, the people looked to the Pharisees and, and, and they admired them. You know, they, they respected them. Like the way that we ex respect doctors and lawyers, well, doctors maybe, but... Um, so the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were literally keepers of the Jewish identity. And the people looked up to them, and they looked to them for answers. When they, when they sought, sought out these theological questions, they went to the Pharisees. And Jesus is against the Pharisees. He, he, you, see, you hear the way that he speaks against the, against the Pharisees. And the, and the, the, the problem is, is they have things in the wrong order. You remember last week, what was the question the disciples asked of Jesus? Remember, he, he healed the blind person. But, but before that, they, they see the blind man, and he was, he was blind from birth. So what they assumed was that, um, that he must have done something wrong. You remember the question? He, who sinned? Was it, was it he that sinned, or was it his parents? Those are, it's like, a, it's multiple choice. There's no... Um, there's no other answer. Somebody must have sinned because the way that they figured the way that the world works is if you're, if you're good, God blesses you. If, you, if you're not good, uh, God harms you because you deserve it. God punishes you for your sin. So this, this guy's obviously blind, so he must be punished, right? Well, you know, Jesus, it, Jesus calls them to understand that the world's more complicated than that. Remember Jesus' answer? It was neither this man or sin nor his parents, but it was so the works of God might dis be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when you can no longer work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And this is what he's saying on the Sabbath. <laughs> this is, it's the Sabbath. What are you not supposed to do on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to work. So he says... Uh, this is so the works of God might be fulfilled, so that God might, the works of God might be displayed. We must work the works that God has given us to work on the Sabbath. He's basically rubbing salt in the wound. He's, he's picking a fight, really. <laughs> so this is what Jesus does. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and so not only does he talk about working on the Sabbath, he then heals them, which is something that they weren't supposed to do on the Sabbath. Why do you think Jesus used mud? Remember, 
This is one of the times where Jesus, he rubs, um, he spits in some dirt and he rubs the mud in the, in the man's eye. Jesus healed other people. He healed lots of people and he never did that before. So why, why do you think he used mud this time? He's making a point. He's a, he's a preacher. Hear the voice of the preacher. This, he's, making, he's, he's not only healing somebody, which is miraculous in itself, but, but he's also, he's, he's preaching a sermon. He's saying, this is, this is about the Sabbath just as much as it's about this man because the Sabbath was created for you. You're not created for the Sabbath. So what he does is he, he spits in the dirt and, uh, and he rubs the mud on the people's eyes and, um, and he heals the blind man. And, and, and the Pharisees were so insistent that no one should break the law that they had rules that helped you keep the rules. So, so then they, they, for each rule, or each piece of the law, they would create a whole list of other rules that helped you keep those rules. And then they would create rules to help you keep the rules that help you keep the rules. And so it really becomes all about the rules. It's, they, they would talk about it like a fence or a hedge. They would put a hedge around the law that would keep you, keep it, uh, keep you at a distance from ever breaking it. So um, it's kind of like one, a chain link fence around a high voltage box. You don't, you, they don't even want you to get close enough to where you're even in danger. So here are some of the rules that they, they came up with. Uh, on the Sabbath, you should not look in a mirror. <laughs> What's that about? Is that... You might be tempted to pluck out a gray hair, which would be a lot like reaping. You know, it's, the, it's literally one of the things that they thought of. What's the next one? Uh, one of the Sabbath rules is a donkey could be let out of the stable on a Sabbath, but the harness and the saddle had to be placed on the donkey beforehand. <laughs> so um, you had to plan ahead. You had to... You had to put the saddle on the donkey the day beforehand if you wanted to go out. What's the next one? If, if you had lamps, they were lit in your house. And the Sabbath began on sundown. sundown um, they were lit. You couldn't blow them out. So, uh, because they considered it work. You weren't supposed to work. So they, would, um, they wouldn't let you blow out lamps because it's too much work. Uh, it was unlawful to move furniture on the Sabbath. So this is, this, is one, this is one for all the guys that, you know, you're on Sunday and your wife wants to move furniture around. And uh, so you can definitely tell that a, a guy thought of this one. Um, but you were able to, you're, you're, you could move a ladder, but you could only move it four steps. And it's like, I, I don't know where they got it. I don't know, that guy's ladder looks like it's going to move on its own any, any minute. <laughs> but... You see, they created rules to help you follow the rules, and then they created more rules that help you follow those rules, and it really was all about the rules, right? It's, it was about religion. It wasn't really about relationship. It's not about being with God. It's not about being a better person, even. Do you think God really cares how many steps you move a ladder on the Sabbath? It just gets totally ridiculous. And these are the things that they would hold people to. These are the things that they would ask people to do, to be holy. This is what it takes if you want to be good with God, you better not move your ladder five steps on the Sabbath, let alone move some furniture. This gets crazy. So then what he does is he, he spits in the dirt. So you see, that what they would say was that you can spit on a rock all you want, but if you spit in a dirt, then the, the spit moves the dirt, and it's kind of like making a furrow in a field. 
right? The, the, the spit moves the dirt, so it's kind of like farming. So don't spit in the dirt. So, so what does Jesus do? He goes, and he spits in the dirt. And, and then he goes, all right, see this? And, and then he picks it up, and then he makes clay with it. So he's like, not only am I acting like a farmer doing work on the Sabbath, now I'm acting like a potter doing work on the Sabbath. So I'm making this clay, and I'm rubbing it into this guy's eyes, right? See, he's picking a fight. He's, this is about the Sabbath, but it's even more. It, it's about healing, but it's also about the Sabbath. He's making a point because they, they were making the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for healing people. The Sabbath is for rest. The, the Sabbath is about, about being whole. It's about being with God. It's about about resting. And in the Proverbs it says it's foolish to wake up early and stay up late because the Lord God gives his people rest. You see that? You see that in the God that you worship? Is the way that you do religion get in the way with that? Is God giving you rest? <laughs> Jesus is saying the Sabbath is about giving people rest. You're not created for the Sabbath. You're not created to follow these, these crazy rules the Sabbath was created for you. So Jesus spits in the dirt <laughs> and he makes clay. Not only to heal a man, because it's about that, but it's also about the sermon that he's preaching. It's about the leadership. It's about these foolish shepherds, these wicked shepherds that have come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, No, I am the good shepherd. Hear the voice of your preacher today. Hear the voice of your good shepherd saying to you, you were not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for you. <laughs> he brings healing and redemption to the man born blind. But he brings words of repentance to the Pharisees. He calls them to repentance. Hear the voice of Jesus, your preacher, calling you to repentance today. Here's the sermon that Jesus preaches. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks out over the, wall, over the wall into the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come into him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And then it says, no one understood the parable. And, they, <laughs> and they're puzzled, right? So why didn't they understand the parable? Well, Jesus just told them why they didn't understand the parable. Right? If you hear a stranger's voice, you're going to run. Right? If you don't know a person's voice, you're not going to respect them. You're not going to listen. So then the people didn't understand or respect Jesus. Why? For the Pharisees... Jesus' voice was the voice of a stranger. Jesus' voice was the stranger's voice. For the Pharisees, Jesus is the stranger that they run from. If you're trying to relate to God by keeping all the right rules, if you're trying to relate to God through the law, Jesus' voice is going to sound pretty strange. It's going to sound downright scary. It's going to sound offensive. If your religion is all about dividing the good people from the bad people, from the, the good Christians from the not-so-good Christians, Jesus' voice is going to sound pretty strange. If you, and you won't recognize it, and you won't follow it. You'll be offended 
there's nothing for you to do. Jesus says there's nothing for you to do. And you say, well, I'm, I want to do it on my own steam. I'm, I'm a self-made man or woman. So why, well, you're telling me there's nothing for me to do? How will I know if I'm better than everybody else? You won't know. <laughs> because there's nothing for you to do. It's already done. If this is the way that you're trying to relate to God, if you're trying to earn your way into heaven, you won't recognize Jesus' voice when he speaks to you. He says, I am the way, and you won't hear it. He says, I am the truth, and you won't want to hear it. He says, I am the life, and you can't ignore it. You can either turn from it, or you can turn toward it. The Pharisees had things set up pretty well. They had influence, and they had authority. They got to pick the rules, and as Jesus put it, they, they sat in Moses' seat. They had the authority of Moses behind them, and they stood on this. The people were relying on them. This is who they looked to. These, this is the only guy that they had. Life was dark. Life was hard. They needed answers. This is who they had to look, look to. They looked to the Pharisees. And they honestly did what they thought was good for the people. In a in life like that, where can you turn but the law of God? The people knew firsthand how broken the world was. They knew firsthand, honestly, the way that evil was encroaching into the world. But at the same time, they knew. They knew firsthand how following these rules wasn't fulfilling. Following these rules and, and, and living by this religion wasn't helping. The, tr the traditions that we listed earlier were all placed as a way to build a fence around sin to help keep people from sinning. If we put up this fence, we keep people from sinning, we keep people doing anything close to sinning, then we'll be safe, right? We'll be safe if we keep the law, right? But this is what God's about. The Pharisees built a fence for the people and for their good. But the problem with building fences is that somebody ends up on the outside of the fence. This is what happened to the blind man. <laughs> He ended up on, on the outside of the fence. They built the fence, and he was out. The blind man was not an outsider because he was a sinner. He was an outsider because they built the fence. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. <laughs> Do you hear this? They built a fence, and he says, I am the door of the sheep. What's your favorite name for Jesus? There's a lot of really good ones to choose from, right? There's a lot that really touch your heart. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the wonderful God, mighty counselor. Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Jesus is the door. Is that your favorite name for door? Yeah, really inspiring. I'm, I'm the door. <laughs> What's so inspiring about a door? <laughs> he says, I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. And they who come and freely go. And they will find good pastures. If somebody's built a fence and you're on the outside, there's nothing more inspiring than a door. There is freedom in Christ. There is freedom to come and go as you please. It's not freedom to do whatever you want. <laughs> Sometimes we try to make it into that. It's not about doing whatever you want. It's about being free so you can do what you were called to be. You see the difference there? We don't go on sinning that sin may increase because we have grace, but because we have grace, we don't need to live in fear. We don't live in a fear of a God 
who's, who's looking to punish us because we moved a ladder five feet instead of four feet. If religion is about fences and fear, we're afraid of being on the outside. This is, is, this is exactly what happened to the blind man. The Bible literally says they cast him out. This is the same word that they use when they describe Jesus casting out demons. Right? Jesus cast out demons. Jesus talks about um, being cast into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's the same word. They cast the blind man out for the things that he did, for the things that he said, for the things that Jesus did. Living by faith is not about fear, and it's not about fences. It's about freedom. It's about perfect freedom. This isn't freedom to do whatever you want, as I said, but it's a freedom from the fearful God who's sitting around waiting to punish you. It's a freedom that comes in knowing we are saved by grace. This is not about keeping rules. One of our defining values here at Hope is we worship God and not tradition. <laughs> you can see where tradition gets you, right? If, you, uh, if, if you're worried about all these rules, how can you be in a relationship with God? You're focusing on the wrong things. And, and, and the only way that you can know what's right and wrong is to build fences. The only way you can know what's right and wrong is by comparing yourself to other people. The blind man was put on the outside of the fence. And then Jesus opened his eyes. That man born blind, he saw and he understood that Jesus Christ was God months before anyone else had even thought of the idea. It says in, in uh, 938 that, that the man bows down and he worships, worships Jesus as God. That's the first time in the Gospel of John that that happens. <laughs> Nobody else worships God. But this blind man that was uh, cast out of the church, this blind man that was excommunicated, is the first one to know that, that Jesus Christ deserves worship. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? God is pretty amazing, isn't he? This is our God that chose the things of the world that are foolish to confound the wise. This is our God that chose the small things. God chose the insignificant things to bring down the high things, to bring down the, the, the haughty things. God uses the small things to bring them down. <laughs> Do you hear that? Do you feel that today? How can our response be anything but worship? <laughs> Amen? Yeah, that's our prayer today, that worship can be a response to that grace that you've received, that response to knowing that God uses the small things, that God uses you, it doesn't matter how insignificant you may feel. It doesn't matter how small you may feel. All the better. All the more glory to God if you're insignificant. <laughs> and, and praise God for that. There's a lot of times when I feel really insignificant. And there's a lot of times when, when I doubt my ability to do anything. But that's when the grace of God really shows through. Because when I doubt my own ability to do anything, I turn to God knowing His ability is what I need anyway. When, I, when I'm turning to my own ability, I'm in the, wrong, in the wrong mindset anyway. That's why these rules that they're talking about, the rules that the Pharisees have built, were all about doing it by your own ability. But this isn't about your own ability. This is about what God's doing. Religion says do, but God says done. It's already done. It's finished. So this worship, this worship here, the songs that we are about to sing, this is an offering of thanksgiving and repentance. You think about worship as repentance before? It's not repentance so you can repent and then be forgiven. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness that allows you to repent. You, you can repent because you're forgiven. 
The law, all these rules were never going to change your life. Nobody ever followed all the rules. Nobody was ever saved by following the rules. But because we are forgiven, we live a new life. You are a new creation in Christ. We bring our songs and our worship as a response. Not because it can ever be good enough, but because we have been made good enough. Because you are good enough, your worship is good enough. Your worship does not come out of your own righteousness. Your worship comes out of the righteousness that it is Christ's. You're, you are Christ's righteousness. In Galatians it says, He became a curse for us so that we could become His righteousness. You are the righteousness of Christ. Do you hear that? This is amazing stuff. Jesus' words are harsh for the Pharisees because they don't understand that they need Christ's righteousness. That's all you need. You don't need to follow the rules to be saved. You don't need to follow the rules to be good. You need Christ's righteousness. And then you can be good. Jesus turns to the Pharisees and he says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. They knew the word of God. They knew what they should have done. They knew what they should have taught, what they should have believed. They knew Hosea 6.6. It says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. But they had no mercy. Not for the blind man. Not for each other. But they knew better. I, I, am, I have two brothers, uh, two younger brothers. And believe it or not, we would fight sometimes. I, I know, it's hard to imagine. But... Uh, one of the things my mom would always say, <laughs> this is my brother and my mom, and uh, <laughs> my mom would always say, um, in, in the times when I thought, you know, at least this time, it was, it was, it was a little bit less my fault. But my mom would say, uh, you're older, you know better, right? <laughs> the Pharisees knew better. The Pharisees should have known better because they knew the law. They were the leaders of the people. They were the shepherds. But they didn't know better. They didn't want to hear. They had ears shut to what Jesus was about. We're called to know better because we're Christians. Not because you're, you are trying to be saved by what you do, but now you know better. You know better about grace. You know better about mercy. You know better about what it means to live a life that's pleasing to God. So, when, so hear God's voice saying, you know better. Not as a condemning thing, but as a way to change, a way to be better. You know better, so be better. I want to show you a video that's kind of about what I've been talking about. And it's, it's one of those viral videos that everybody um, has watched. There's 20 million views or something like that. So I bet a couple people have been here have seen it before. And um, it's kind of controversial, so... Um, you can just chalk it up to a stupid intern thing. If, if, if it's <laughs> offensive, just say, what does the intern know, right? Uh, I'm an intern, and part of being an intern is making mistakes. But uh, so uh, if I'm not here next week, then you know why. Um, but I, I, I don't think that'll be the case. What, what it, it's about the difference between Jesus and religion. And, um, and that's what the Pharisees didn't get. That's what Jesus came to tell us. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you don't get to go to church. But it means that what Jesus came to do, what Jesus came to be, 
the light of the world, the Lamb of God, that sacrificed for all of our sins, is so often reduced to something less. We reduce what Jesus did to his politics, right? You, you try to take the gospel and make it about who to vote for, then you, you're in the wrong place. You know? <laughs> Jesus had so much more in mind than that. Jesus had so much more in mind than that. But, but we try to make it about our agenda. And it doesn't matter what your agenda is. I'm not trying to pick and choose. I'm not saying your agenda's wrong and my agenda's right. I'm saying it's not about agendas. I'm saying that it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it can't be reduced to an agenda. So hear that. So if you're offended, I hope you won't be, but come talk to me. I want to talk about it. The whole reason why I want to show this is because um, this, this did get 20 million views. And, it, and it's something that we need to have this conversation because this is, this is the place to have it. We don't have difficult conversations in church because we're worried about stepping on toes. But what happens is people have those conversations elsewhere. We don't talk about sex because it's uncomfortable. So then you go to TV and movies and culture to figure out what sex is about. And, and that's not right, right? The church has something to say about it, so let's not be afraid to say it. So this is about religion. This is about the difference between religion and Jesus. Take a look. you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification, like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. Which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, He looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion, and for it He called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, 
would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention, how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God, Christianity is God searching for man. Which is why salvation is freely mine, and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. Yeah. When Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. <laughs> the work is done. There's nothing left for you to do. I'm kneeling at the cross saying there's room. Come kneel at the cross. That's what's left to do. <laughs> it's finished. Your brokenness is cast away. It's finished. You are a new creation. It's finished. There's life in your dry bones. It's finished. It's finished. Hear the voice of the good shepherd. It's finished. There are sheep of the, of the flock that are not of this fold. Jesus calls us to go out to those sheep. Because he is the good shepherd, he seeks and he saves the lost. We worship God and not tradition. That's what this is about. This is about worshiping God. Not so that we can be saved, but because we are saved, we worship God. The reason why we change this, um, this worship order is so that we can understand that response. This is about responding to what God has already done for us. And that, that's so much more beautiful than the laws that we lay up for ourselves. And the slides don't work, but this says, what does abundant life look like? But for the next little bit, we're going um, to reflect on what that, what that means for you. Just take some time and think about it. What does your abundant life look like? <laughs> I hope it doesn't look like rules. I hope it looks like grace. I hope it looks like freedom to go in and out. Not freedom to do whatever you want, but freedom from your sin. Does this mean you don't have to go to church? Yeah, you don't have to go to church. You get to go to church because you get to be a part of my life. That's what, you get to bless me. And that's, what, that's why you're here. You get to be blessed by the people that are here. And you get to bless the people that are here too. You don't know how you guys bless me. And, and that's why we need you here, because we can't do this without you. So it's not about going to church because that, that's what you should do. It's about going to church because you're a part of this. You're a part of the body. We don't do this alone. 
there's no, there's no room for doing it alone, right? That's one of the things that Jesus is speaking against. You're part of a, a flock. There's, sheep don't do it alone. I don't, I, I'm not a shepherd, but I know that about sheep. Sheep are all about the group. <laughs> so don't do it alone. Know that God is calling you to be a blessing in the lives of other people. And, and that's the only way you can do this. So we gather here on Sunday morning. We gather here uh, as a group. We gather at core. We gather as life groups because we are, the, we are the flock that knows the good shepherd's voice. Hear the good shepherd's voice in what I'm saying to you and go speak it. It's that bony finger, loudmouth preacher thing, right? Jesus gave you a bony finger and a loud mouth so you can go call people to the flock. There are sheep that are not of this fold that are part of this flock. Go call them. This is about grace. This is about forgiveness. This is about being one with each other in the name of Jesus Christ. What does your abundant life look like? Please, you know, stay seated and we're going to think about it and then we'll, we'll sing a couple more songs. But this is about the response to the gift you've been given. Let's pray. Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not be in want. There is nothing I need that I lack because of who you are. You lead me beside the quiet waters. You restore my soul. For the sake of your righteous name, Lord, you give me righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil. Because it is finished, Lord. There is no evil that can stand against me now. Because it is finished. There is nothing left to do because it is done. And I get to live in the abundant life that you have given me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the good shepherd that calls us out of our lost, our lost, broken lives so that we can be your sheep, so that we can call other sheep. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Amen.